0: You tough blog. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Vlog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnotta back with you guys as always, and the quarantine interview series continues as we go back in time once again, this time to the 1990s, and we get to talk to one of, if not the most successful defensive linemen to ever put on a Carolina uniform, and it's Greg Ellis who is stopping by with us. And first of all, Greg, uh, you know, still still going through all the COVID-19 stuff. We're not out of the clear just yet, so I like to start by asking, Asking just how everybody's doing in your family including yourself you guys been taking care during this time
1: yeah yeah thanks for asking um, but thank God we're doing well we um, you know we just doing the best we can do dealing with the changes that we have to, to make to, in order to keep moving forward we uh, we have three kids and so you know it's different because it's, it's forced to do online schooling and so yeah we are just taking it all in stride
0: well, yeah, I mean, uh, it's definitely a, a new time and, uh, you know, it seems like just from the press conference that we heard today from Mac Brown that things are starting to seem a little bit positive and and that's good to see and, you know, Mac Brown's still got that, that good energy that everybody likes to see. This is not something that's gotten him down and, you know, you got to kind of experience that firsthand and I'm kind of interested to see how you feel just from a recruiting standpoint because Carolina has done so well on the recruiting trail here in the 2021 class. A lot of insight state guys have committed to Carolina so far. And one of the things that I've heard a lot just from talking to some of the former guys is that with Mac Brown, there's just a different feel when he comes in and recruits you. For a guy that was an in-state prospect, did you kind of get that same feeling from him that it, his connection to you was just different than the other coaches that you talked to?
1: Definitely. Um, Coach Brown understands the importance of family. I mean, you see, he's Going from high school to college is not like going from college to the NFL. I mean, there's still an adjustment period, but it's certainly a huge difference. And so Coach Brown understands that we have to make the parents feel comfortable. Um, If they don't feel comfortable, then odds are their son, they're not going to let them come here to play football. And they can say it's up to the kid, but, you know, the parents what they think weighs heavily into that decision, um, whether they go to your school or not go to your school. So Coach Brown really understands that and Coach Brown understands the importance of winning in your own state. You see, every state has good football players coming out of high school, but it's, it's something about that when you establish and become that college that the kids in your state want to go to, that's when you got something special brewing and when we were in college that's what we had i mean now we don't get me wrong he did recruit omar brown we had some some kids that came from out of state mm-hmm. but we, he certainly understood the importance of making sure these local guys who are talented enough to be here let's make sure they want to come here
0: Well, I think, yeah, you talked about, you know, him going out of state and getting a guy like Ormore Brown. I think one of the things that people have to realize is that what you want to do is by getting some of these in-state guys, building a good core and and a a good group of guys that really sort of know each other and and can communicate with each other well, it really helps when you have those types of guys that can help you to go out, especially in this social media era, and get these guys from the other state and tell them, look, you know, we're a really close group. You, You know, you want to be a part of this instead of going to a school that you know has guys that are just kind of spaced out all over the country, don't really know each other, but are just going there to kind of team up, and they they might meet each other the first time on their official visit sometime in the fall. So um, I think you You're could right. s- you could see that kind of working out, and that's pretty cool. How you know it's it's kind of lining up very similar to the '90s, and I think that's what's very exciting. And one of the things that should be really exciting for people about that, I mean, you mentioned a guy like Omar Brown, and he was part of the those those defenses with you that were some of the best in program history as someone who played on on those defenses you know did you know that you were part of something special at the time or was that something that really didn't hit you until after you got off campus
1: I tell you what man our group you now I'm speaking for the kids who got there in 1993. You know, we were freshmen in 93. Mm-hmm. And Coach Brown and his staff decided to redshirt the entire class. The, co- the closest guy that came close to playing that year was a receiver by the name of Octavius Barnes. Uh, he, he dressed him a couple games, didn't let him play, but finally he said, okay, we're going to redshirt all of us. And all of us redshirted. And I remember... When, you know, we were sitting in study hall one day um, Jeff Saturday, Omar, Brian Simmons, K. Mays, all those guys We were sitting in study hall because all the freshmen had to go to study hall and I was a real quiet one and I would sit there and listen to them and they were Projecting how good we were going to be as a football team. They went through every position And they were including us as if we were you know going to go on the field and play, but we were just freshmen and so the expectations that we had on ourselves was really high, um, and 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 nobody wanted to let anybody down, and so we had a really good team camaraderie to say, okay, I don't want to let Brian down, Brian don't want to let Kay down, Kay don't want to let uh, Dre Blatter. So it was a real close knit group that everybody stood up and said, I'm going to be a man. And I'm going to not let this team down. So that was the, to me, that was the magic that we had when we were there.
0: Well that's I mean that's a great mindset to take towards it and I would hope that that's kind of the mindset that the guys on the team now are taking and of course you of course became one of the most decorated pass rushers in program history it didn't take you long to make your impact uh starting in in 94 but I mean look you, you finished with the program record 32 and a half sacks and at the time that was the mark that still stands today even with guys like Julius Peppers and uh Kareem Martin who have tried to take runs at it how special is uh, of that, you know, is an uh, is it an honor for you to still be uh, the guy that holds that prestigious record even to this day?
1: To me, it is. I mean, I don't sit back and, and dwell on it all the time, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I think when you're blessed to accomplish something like that, that stands and, and, you know, people recognize it, recognize it. I think, you know, that's something to be happy and proud of. And and now obviously, you know, we had to have some good coverage going on in on the secondary. Um, And and a lot of times Bonnie holiday was flushing those quarterbacks my way, but you know, it's, as they say, it's always a team um, award. And so I, you know, I, I thank God I, blessed to be the sack leader but realizing that, you know, the the team is what helped Greg Ellis get there, not just Greg Ellis by itself.
0: Well, you talk about a team. I mean, look, I watched the game that they replayed last night from the 1994 season. And then once you got into, of course, uh, 95, 96, and 97, uh, the latter two, which were some historic defenses. But, I mean, you played around so many great guys. There were definitely some guys that got overshadowed. When you think about you know, the most underrated player on that team, who is the guy that comes to your mind? Because I know that I've got a guy that when I look at those 90s defenses, I always talk about. Who do you think of when you talk about the most underrated guy on those defenses?
1: Man, you know what? Uh, I got a couple. Mm -hmm. Um, One guy that was... Now, he got drafted and and did, I think, okay in the NFL, and that's a cornerback by the name of Robert Williams. Mm -hmm. Uh, We called him Quick because Drake came in and Those Super Bowl teams, and so he stuck around for several years with them, but wasn't even drafted and didn't start with us. So I think Nate, in my opinion, was the guy that I would say he really, you know, kind of got overshadowed and kind of lost in there. But when he went in there, he did what he's supposed to do, made some plays here or there, um, a good teammate to be around, and and had some talent because it showed when he got into the NFL.
0: Yeah, one. Of, I mean, there's a couple of guys that that come to mind to, for me too. Uh, one of the guys that actually, when I was going through um, an off-season series that I'm doing, Keith Newman, the outside linebacker, um, yeah, really Keith just kinds, uh-huh. kinds to get kind of gets pushed behind guys like Brian Simmons, who we all just yeah. know was a fantastic athlete that could have probably played anywhere. I mean. He fits exactly that type of mold that we're going to start seeing uh, some of the linebackers uh, in, in today's game sort of be modeled after. Uh, and, and you know, of course, one of the other guys um, that I just don't think gets talked about a lot, and you play with him on the defensive line, went on to have a good NFL career, um, is Ebenezer Ekuban. He was a guy that... Just, you know, you talk about that defensive line. I mean, you got you, uh, along with uh, Marcus Jones, who you played with as well, um, and and Vonnie Holiday, that was that starting line in that 94 game. And that, I could not believe that was actually a group. But Ebenezer was that guy that came over from tight end and just never really got talked about a lot. I I feel like probably you got a a much better look at him and maybe thought a little bit differently uh, of him than maybe some of us thought. But to me, definitely a guy that just wasn't talked about a whole lot.
1: Well, I, I agree with you. And as you know, Ebenezer and I, um, think a year or two later, he gets drafted to come to the Dallas Cowboys as a first-round pick mm-hmm. also. So I was blessed and fortunate to play college ball with Eb and also to play um, NFL football with Eb with the Cowboys for several years. And so I, I would agree with you, Eb, you know – he was a guy that came to playing football late in his high school career mm-hmm. to start with. And then on top of that, like you said, you know, he came in and was playing as a tight end right. and the coaches asked him to move over to defensive end. So, Eb had a lot of stuff to learn. And so, Eb was like a sponge um, when, you know, we were in college for soaking up how to play defensive ends and all of that kind of stuff. And so he was a huge talent, um, you know, was, 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 Faster than me, and could could run like a linebacker, um, and, and just really caught on really quick, and just really excelled. But I think him moving over from tight end to defensive end, you know, he didn't have that history of being known as a defensive end.
0: Right, so, I mean, you mentioned you got to play with them uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, you were drafted there in 1998 with the eighth overall pick. You know, how special was draft night for you? And I've got to ask you, what was it like to get that call from the man himself, Jerry Jones? (laughs) Man,
1: it started uh, the night before. The excitement of being a Dallas Cowboy, man. I mean, Jerry brings a whole lot of excitement. The franchise itself, you know, the historical name Dallas Cowboy brings a whole lot of excitement in itself. And so, um, you know, it was it was just that, you know night. Uh, day of the draft was really exciting, and, and Jerry and them, you know, I think Jerry must stay up all night uh, the night before the draft trying to see what's going on. Um, and so Chicago, had, which they had the number five pick, they had the fifth pick. Um, somebody from Chicago called me, I think it was that night. Of course, it wasn't the, the team, because they couldn't do it. Well, it was somebody affiliated with the team, but it wasn't the people telling them they are going to draft me. And so um, that day of draft day, uh, Jerry get on the phone because he would want to trade down so he can get me at a at a higher pick right. and pay less money obviously. Right. And So he said, Greg, has anybody called? And I told him, I said, well, somebody from Chicago called my mom house last night. I said, I don't know what that was about, but I know my mom said somebody from Chicago called and I didn't know anybody in Chicago at that time. So I guess Jerry didn't want to take any chances, and he went on ahead and pulled the trigger and, and drafted me, man. Um, and the rest is history. A great, fun career uh, with the Cowboys. Play with some tremendous guys, Hall of Fame guys here uh, with the Cowboys, and uh, you know, just a, a good career.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you mentioned it. Uh, just a phenomenal career, actually, in Dallas. I mean, an 11-year career there, uh, able to rack up uh, 75 tackles for loss, 77 sacks. Now, of course, the first year that you were there in 1999, they didn't keep the tackle for la- loss stats for t- for uh, on on the site that I looked at. So didn't want to mess that up, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, but, I mean, yeah. look, the latter of those, still uh, that still ranks third in franchise history. Only DeMarcus Ware, um, and I forget the other guy that's ahead of you, in franchise history, but that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Those are oh, the only okay. two guys ahead of you. So, a, a really, a historical career there. Um, you know, yeah. what were some of those memories really that stuck out for you in, in a time that you know maybe wasn't as successful as the era right before you got there, but was still a relatively successful era for the Dallas Cowboys? No, you're
1: right. I mean, I remember though when I got drafted, I was in North Carolina in Durham and we were, you know, I'd gotten picked, and so the reporters and everybody was there, and somebody asked me, they said, what do you think about the Dallas Cowboys not making the playoffs this year? Because they didn't make it, you know, the year before I got drafted. Right, right. And, man, they they were winning so much in the early 90s that I, I remember telling the reporter, I said, man, they're, they're the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to bounce back. And so I 100% believe that, and so I didn't, we didn't win any or play in any Super Bowl games when I was my tender in Dallas, mm-hmm. but I just wouldn't imagine that would have happened. Uh, but you know, you got to take what you got, and like you said, we had some good seasons. Um, definitely had some good defenses. One year we were like we were number one in the league, and so we had some some good good teams, um, good relationships. Um, enjoyed my time there, learned a lot there. Uh, one of, one of the uh, several memories, uh, one that stood out the most, well, I wouldn't say the most, but one that's, that stood out a lot was um, my second year, and we were playing uh, Arizona. We are playing Arizona, mm-hmm. and so uh, they're about on our two-yard line, and they're driving in to score. And so it's a big pile-up, we tackle them, and the ball comes out. Well, I grab the ball, and it's like nobody from Arizona knew the ball was on the ground. Our safety, by the name of Darren Woodson, Pulls my arm and telling me, "Greg, get up, get up, get up! Nobody touched you." And so, as you know, you can you can pick up a fumble if nobody touched you right. and get up and run with it. And so, man, I got up and took off running and was was blessed. And I really mean that word blessed to make it 98 yards for a touchdown. Now I'm dying and I'm tired, man. <laughs> but the killer part. So I'm I'm huffing and puffing. I get to the sideline. Troy Aikman comes over. The quarterback. Troy comes over. Troy said, "Greg." You make sure you enjoy this, man, because, you know, as a defensive lineman, this probably will never happen to you again in your career. Right. Well, the, the next game, we're playing another home game, the very next game, we're playing uh, Atlanta Falcons. And the quarterback throws, he, they're probably on maybe our, uh, what, like 13 or something like that, your line? So he throws just a, what what we call a screen pass. Right. And it was like he didn't even see me. He threw it right to me. (laughs) I catch it and run it in for an 87-yard touchdown. Now, I'm tired, but I remember what Troy told me, and I went and found him this time, and I said, Troy, I thought you said it would never happen again. And he looked at me with hesitation, and then he bust out laughing. So that was a, a fun memory. To have him say it, it never happened again and it happens the very next time. And one thing that stood out about that, too, that was very ironic as you know, my football number in college was 87, right? Jersey number, and that interception was for an 87 yard return. Yeah. My pro number with the Cowboys, Cowboys mm-hmm. was 98, and that former return was a 98 yard former return. So that was that that stood out and for what for, will forever continue to stand out with me.
0: That is a phenomenal story, and there's you know showing up Aikman. That's always fantastic. Um, as you know, look, I'm I'm I'll admit this. Most people on the show know this from how long I've been doing it. I am a Giant fan. I I do have to admit that. But we do have kind of a cool connection because you got the opportunity to play under Bill Parcells, who did coach the Giants and got to coach another pass-rushing great that went to Carolina as well in Lawrence Taylor and really helped him to become the guy that he is. What was it like to play under Bill Parcells? Because I feel like... You know, he was probably still very similar to that guy that we saw. But you know, for Dallas fans, it just doesn't seem like there's as much love for Bill as there as there is amongst Giant fans. What, what would you, was your experience under him? Like Bill came
1: in with the, and he told us he came in with that nobody wanted. Nobody took football serious, other than the owners, of course. Correct. But for his players, he was like, man, these guys are they're too, you know, like to say, fat and happy kind of guys and really not hungry to be good in football and all that stuff. But the thing, um, after a couple of months, him being there, and after, you know, him seeing how all he worked in training camps and practices, you know, he told us, he said, guys, I thought you guys, I thought nobody here was serious about football and, you know, really didn't care about winning or losing, he said, but, after since I've been here a couple of months, I, I changed. He said, I, "I know several of you guys are serious and you really want to win and go to the Super Bowl, and so I appreciate that." And so, when when Bill comes, nobody is a Bill Parcells guy. Right. He, he he's against everybody, and you have to earn that. Now you don't earn that by trying to say, "Hey, coach, look at me." But you know, mm-hmm. when you think he's not watching, he's watching. And that's when you're earning it. You're not even know You're earning his trust and earning his respect. Uh, but before Bill left there, um, he had a lot of guys that he had a lot of respect for, and a lot of guys, including myself, had a bunch of respect for him as well. And I wish Bill would have stayed. Him and Jerry would have worked it out for one more year. Because personally, I think that would have been the year that we would have won, went and won the Super Bowl. Because. Wade Phillips came in that that yeah the bill was fired well right. released whatever they did right. but was no longer there and we went thirteen to three probably I think that's still the best record the Cowboys have ever had I think mm-hmm. uh, and we lose in the second round because we had a buy against Arizona no we had a buy and we played Arizona and we lose to them uh, in that first round I believe it was right. and so you know that no 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 I'm wrong. We we played you guys. That was the
0: year. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right.
1: You guys won the Super Bowl because we beat you guys twice, and you guys had to come to us because, remember, y'all went on the road to to win the Super Bowl. Right,
0: went and beat Tampa and then played you guys the next week. Yep. Um, Yep. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that as a kid. Um, yeah, definitely probably not one of uh one of your your best moments, but more uh, best <laughs> memories. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I I think, I think, honestly, that would have been very interesting because I think, yeah, they, you guys probably would have been somewhere around because I remember that team. That was an absolutely loaded team. Um, at the time, pretty much everybody thought that, you know, Tony Romo was was going to be one of the next great guys that kind of came out yeah. of nowhere, very similar to Brady. And, uh, you know, we could get into all sorts of talks about Romo and everything because I'm the lone giant fan that, out there that thinks he should be in the Hall of Fame and all this and that. But, like, I, I, I remember that team very well, and I think you're right. I wonder if you had Bill Parcells there, a guy that had been there and done that, made Super Bowl runs. Um, I think Wade Phillips is a phenomenal coach. I mean, he's a guy that, I actually, I remember Coach Brown saying during his press conference on Monday, has talked to the team, and um, really, I think, you know, for, from your perspective, was probably a guy that um, really helped you a lot because he was such a defensive minded guy, but I would think, I, I wonder if it would have been very different. Um, but, I mean, yeah. yeah, you know... let me, let me try
1: Right, yeah, go ahead. It's not I'm not it's not bashing Wade. Right. Wade was a good coach. But the team was made up of Bill Parcell's pieces, if you would. And so Bill put Jerry allowed Bill to put the team together Mm -hmm. the way he wanted to put it together. And so I, I think you know they would have one more year with Bill. I think things would have been a little different now. Like you, you can't argue with thirteen to three. We just had a right. uh, a wrong week to have an off week if you would really, when we played New York. And, and my you know New York they did a great job. They they you know they had to beat other teams other than us. Right. But I just still think if we would have had um, Bill, I think it would have been a little different. And not because Wade is a bad guy, but I think. Bill is a long strategic coach, long term, big vision strategic coach, and I think we was right at that, right at the the finish line to be able to eat the pie, if he was able to stay that last year. But we had a great year with with Wade as well, as you know. Right,
0: I wouldn't change anything about it. Also, if those two had met, uh, I think that the amount of shouting between both Tom and Bill. Uh, in that game would have been unbelievable because those are two of the angriest coaches that I have ever seen in my entire life. but uh, both both guys are are phenomenal. It's awesome. I am assuming that um Bill and Mac were a little bit different. Bill always seemed very angry. Mac Mac seemed very enthusiastic on the sidelines, but bill Bill always seemed very angry on the on the sideline. Was that kind of how Bill seemed, or was Bill maybe more energetic than we thought? It was just he always looked kind of angry he
1: was he was sometimes he was what you saw sometimes was just <laughs> yeah. like that i mean you know what <laughs> and, and and sometimes you know he would crack a joke with you and all that kind of stuff but you know bill kept it real and you know, it was no no, no doubt that, you know, he understood and wanted us to understand, understood mm-hmm. that you guys are grown men and the NFL is about winning and losing and we got to win and we win, you know, hey, it's a much better time. We lose, stuff
0: got to change. Right, so, I mean, you leave the Cowboys in 08, you finish up your career uh, in 09 with the Raiders, um, and since then, you know, you've been doing a lot of really great stuff off the field. I know that uh, you've helped in some movie production uh, of mm-hmm. the movie Carter High, and you've also done yep. some work as a playwright. You know, what, uh, how has post-NFL life been treating you, and how did you get into the, the movie and, and, and playwright sort of sort of area? I
1: made, in college, I am amazing in communication.
0: Mm-hmm. And the type of communication
1: I made it in led me to take a lot of theater classes. (laughs) And so I just, I I really developed a love for theater and film and especially theater for stage plays um, there in college. Um, And so when I got the opportunity, when I finished playing, I, I, I wanted to do something to help people. And I think one of the best ways we can help
0: help each other mm-hmm. is through entertainment. If I can put a
1: positive message and positive message doesn't mean you're going to laugh all the time, right. but a positive message that would allow you to grow and to become a better person. If I can put a message like that in front of you and entertain you at the same time, you're going to retain that information in that message. And so that's what I do. That's what I enjoy doing. Um and that's you know we we kind of i am kind of well um I'm set back some now. Right. because of the whole coronavirus because yeah. we had played book for this summer that we had to cancel. Mm-hmm. But it certainly is an opportunity to reach even more people because I was approached um, about a a recording of it it's not the best recording of it but you know everything is clear people can see each other people can hear each other and so we're going to live stream that pre-recording of our Juneteenth play and uh, so whereas when we do it live you know you want to limit it to how many people can get in that auditorium but by streaming it you know it's endless to up to people if they want to go there and and purchase um, the past give a little plug for Greg Ellis. If, if, yeah. If sure. and made the announcement that hey Texas you have to free your slaves and that's when they did it. it took place on June 19th um 1865 that's why it's called Juneteenth so they can go to Juneteenth com and um uh, click the ticket button please get a ticket um the show takes place the live stream takes place June the 20th of this year um uh, think it's eight thirty Eastern time. So please get a ticket. it's only it only costs ten dollars. Um, so just you know, one encouraging about everybody to go get that ticket, learn some history, and it's going to be funny. Um, I'm in there making a fool of myself in in a very comical kind of way, uh, but everybody else are professional actors.
0: Awesome, yeah, that's great, man. Uh, Juneteenth.com, Make sure you guys go and uh, check that out. Yeah, that's that's great, and uh, you well, know that's Juneteenth.
1: Th- not not Juneteenth It's Juneteenth hey. the play.
0: Juneteenth the play, the play Excuse the play me. There the you show. go. Com, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, just. Uh, it's, it's good because, you know, during this time, I mean, we definitely need some positivity in our lives with everything yeah. that's been going on. So that's, that's awesome. Right. Uh, we'll definitely make sure to check that out. And uh, yeah, no, of course, uh, anytime that any uh, former players or anything have, have a chance to shout something out like that, it's always awesome because, you know, yeah, we're well, definitely thanks. look to help you guys out. And uh, Gretton, you to, get, getting to see you acting, I think that is something that everybody can get on board with, <laughs> even <laughs> probably Mac Brown. I think he'll be locked in to watch that yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, hey Greg thanks so much for joining us man this was fantastic um, you know it was awesome getting to catch up with you talk about your career and uh, some guys that of course we we all love you know uh, both at the uh, college and NFL level so uh, make sure you stay safe during all of this uh, we're still you know we're starting to see some restrictions get lifted but uh, it's still a time where we need to be a little cautious but uh, we look forward to uh, being able to see and, and keep up with everything that you're doing uh, with the play coming up uh, and of course uh, we hope to talk to you down the line man so So stay safe right now and we'll talk to you, okay? Okay, thank you. Take care. All right.
1: All right, bye-bye.
0: All right, so that is former Toriel defensive lineman Greg Ellis stopping by with us. All right, again, JuneteenthThePlay.com is where you can go uh, to check out everything that he's going to be doing this upcoming summer. That sounds like a really exciting event, and we're going to hope uh, hopefully we'll be able to uh, give him a little bit of publicity with that and get him a chance to uh, get a few viewers on there. Uh, that's a pretty cool thing that they're doing there and a uh, really interesting story uh, that you guys will be able to watch. Uh, again, we'll uh, probably share some things on our page. Make sure you check that out uh, at Heel Tough blog on Facebook. That's the uh, page handle. Same thing on Twitter, at HeelToughBlog. And, of course, for me, you can follow me uh, at HTBAnthony on Twitter. Uh, right now, we encourage you, of course, to go to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. We've got you covered with all sorts of great stuff on the website. I'm actually going to put this uh, one out. I'm going to move this one up because we've got some things that I talked about in there. And I do want to give you guys a little, uh, a little bit of an insight on what we heard from Mac Brown on Monday. This will come out. This podcast will come out on Friday. I'm going to put this out. Um, so you will be hearing this somewhat relatively uh, close to uh, when we heard from Mac Brown. And So of course, uh, he did have his press conference. It was a virtual press conference on Monday, but things are looking somewhat positive, at least from what he has told us. Now, he did say that he is not trying to get involved into any of the major decisions. He's heard some rumors about them going regional, uh, something that now seems like it's going to be a possibility. uh, with the West Coast pretty much saying that they're off limits until next year. That's pretty much what we're hearing. Of course, uh, LA County extended uh, their stay at home order for three months, which would go uh, pretty close uh, to the college football season would mean that teams would probably not be able to get back onto the field um, until mid to late August. Um, And of course, we don't know if they would consider that enough prep time to get ready for the season. Um, And then of course, uh, there were a couple of other school, uh, a couple, other schools uh, in California that have already said that they will not be playing sports um, or sending uh, kids to school uh, on campus uh, during the fall semester. So that's a big blow for everybody that's hoping that college football gets underway on time or uh, at all during the 2020 season. But they did say, and it seems like the NCAA is kind of on board with this, they will allow teams to play regionally if it works out that they are, are, are able to allow those. Teams to play, and the other schools do agree to let those schools go on and, and, and play their seasons without them. Uh, luckily for Carolina, as of right now, they do not have a West Coast trip this season, so they don't have to worry about playing any of the teams out west right now. It looks like they're pretty safe. Everybody on their on their schedule still seems to be um, sort of looking towards playing in 2020 now. The thing is, is again, we've talked about it so many times with them potentially cutting the schedule down, moving it to, uh, move, moving it to the spring. Um, again, Mac Brown addressed those in his press conferences. He says that uh, he he doesn't have any extra information. He says that as of right now, uh, he's kind of just rolling with the punches. Everything that he's hearing from Bubba Cunningham, he's just kind of rolling with, um, and that feels like what he's you know going to be doing for the rest of the time. He said that he's feeling somewhat positive that Carolina will be on on the field for the 2020 season. He did say that the coaches will be returning on June 15th. That's at least the plan. And then from there, they would try to get the players back on campus sometime in early July and open up uh, fall practice, excuse me, uh, sometime in August. So uh, it still looks like this is a possibility. Uh, The thing right now to do is just keep a positive mindset. Uh, Right now, it seems like the social distancing has worked. Um, We don't know if there will be another period coming up where we are going to have to go back through that again. Uh, we hope not, of course, but you know, you just really don't know. The thing you should do right now is just continue to listen to your local officials on what you're supposed to do. Um, and as of right now, just keep that positive mindset. We'll get more and more updates as we go along throughout the summer. But it, it, you know, Mac Brown said that his Monday morning press conference or his Monday morning meeting, excuse me, uh, with the staff went very well. Uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of positivity. So uh, it feels like Mac Brown is is definitely starting to become a little more positive about the fact that this season could get underway. Of course, he touched on uh, some other stuff as well. Most of it was just focused on the COVID-19 stuff, Um, but he did uh, also answer some questions about the name, image, and likeness stuff. Uh, We're going to have an article going up on the website about that uh, later tonight. Uh, It'll be up whenever this podcast comes out, so you guys can go and check that out on the website. So make sure you do that. Uh, We got some other great recruiting stuff. Our weekly storylines are packed with great recruiting news Uh, We're going to have another one coming out later on this week. I don't even know if we're going to make it a week with all of these huge commitments that are coming up. Um, There are so many things going on on the recruiting trail right now. It seems like a lot of guys maybe have come to that conclusion that they're not going to have a chance to get on campus to a lot of these places that they want to go to. So They're going to have to make their decision now. And A lot of guys are starting to go ahead and go through with that. We've got you covered with all of that on HeeltopBlog.com. That's your place for all the latest recruiting news you can go on there check all that stuff out We've, ha- we've got you covered. Um, and, of course, we've got you covered uh, for everything as we lead up to the season. More uh, m- more news on whether or not the team will take the field. And once we find out if they're going to take the field, we'll have uh, we'll have all the previews for you. Uh, we'll have the position previews. That's coming up later on. And, of course, right now we've still got the offseason series going on. So make sure you check that out. Greatest players to ever wear uh, each jersey number. We're going uh, from 1 to 99. That's really cool. 1 through 10 is up uh, as well. As uh, actually later on today, from when this podcast will be published, uh, you'll be able to check out the uh, 11 through 20. That'll be a fun one as well. So make sure you go through, check out all of those, healtupblog.com. For the podcast, make sure that you go through. If you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, that would be great. Um, Rating and reviewing just kind of helps us to move up the ranks so that fellow Tar Heel fans can find the podcast. They can listen to this great interview with Greg Ellis. They can listen to all the other great interviews with guys um, just as, as recent as uh, Jake Lawler, who just finished up his career at Carolina this year and is getting ready to head out to L.A. to pursue a film career uh, whenever that is possible for him, and then uh, even goes back into the early uh, 2010 era, uh, into the late 2000s era with DeWanta Williams, uh, as well as so many other great interviews make sure you guys go check that out Um, there's other great ones that are still going to be going up as well a lot of historic guys um, that uh, we haven't talked to uh, just yet or that you haven't heard just yet uh, but that we've already talked to make sure you guys are subscribed to the feed so you can get that in your podcast library whenever we do end up posting that so once again want to thank Greg Ellis for stopping by want to thank you guys for listening we encourage you to continue to listen to your local officials stay safe during this time hopefully football season is right around the corner, but even if it's not, as always, go Tar Heels!